The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. This is the Totally Useless Information Podcast with Nick and Roy. Listen, laugh, and learn. Hi, I'm Nick. And I'm Roy. And on today's show, we will talk about these topics. Inventions. Fashion. Dreams. Science. Plus, we'll open up the mailbag. Listen, laugh, and learn. Welcome to Season 3, Episode 17. Totally useless information. It's everything you never needed to know. The Totally Useless Information Podcast, hosted by Nick and Roy. Innovation. Ideas. The Totally Useless Information Podcast presents Inventions. The invention of the safety pin is really important in life because when people used to use cloth diapers, if you didn't use a, um, a safety pin, you were pricked all day long. Excuse me? Uh, yeah, I'm not calling you a prick. You, the safety pin was invented so that when people who used, those of us who were old enough to remember cloth diapers, this way the pins didn't prick us all day. Oh, wow. So you got to be a really bad person to prick yourself. That's right. Go prick yourself. The safety pin was invented by Walter Hunt on April 10th, 1849. He was granted the U.S. patent for his safety pin. He was. It was made from a piece of wire coiled into a spring at one end and a separate clasp and the point at the other end, allowing the point of the wire to be forced by the spring into the clasp. We've all used safety pins before, and it was designed to keep fingers safe from injury, hence the name safety pin. Thank you, Walter Hunt. Thanks, Wally. Okay, Viagra, the little blue pill, the wonder drug for erectile dysfunction was not invented for ED, erectile dysfunction, no. In fact, it was a drug to treat cardiovascular disease. So they had a whole bunch of volunteers get together to do a study for the cardiovascular effects of the drug and it failed miserably. But when they asked all the uh, people, the volunteers to give back their medication they said, no, uh, we're going to keep it because it's been keeping us uh, very happy. And so they figured out that every one of the volunteers was experiencing erections, even ones that had erectile dysfunction. And so they did a test and figured out that they invented the most profitable drug in the last hundred years. I guess it's more profitable than aspirin. Did you say, (laughs) yes, did you say they were raising a stink? Yes. And let me tell you something. It was hard to get the medication back from them. (laughs) Stiff upper lip. Mm -hmm. Mirror, mirror on the wall in 1835. German chemist Justice von Liebig from Liechtenstein on Germany. Thank you. We should play play the German uh, national anthem. So Justice von Liebig developed a process for applying a thin layer of metallic silver to one side of a pane of clear glass to create the mirror effect. But before mirrors were invented, people would simply look into pooled water to see their reflection. 
Another option would be to use a melting sheet of ice or finely finished stones or crystals. Not until metals were smelted, whoever smelted, dealted, and polished could people see a clear and bright reflection. And his name was Justice Von Lee. And then he took the Viagra and it became Justice Von Lee Big. <laughs> <laughs> and he looked at, and that's when they invented putting mirror over your bed. <laughs> he put the mirrors over the bed. That's right. Oh my God. This is a cool fact. Yeah. Attached to an invention. Okay. When radar was invented in the 1940s, German planes from Liechtenstein, no, German planes became easy targets at night to cover the advantage of the radars, radar because the Allies did not want the Germans to know that we had radar. They sent a misinformation campaign out to Germany that said that they were feeding loads and loads of carrots to all of the gunners at night and it was increasing their vision and that's why they were knocking down so many more planes at night and of course you know everybody the germans are supposed to be stupid people like they believe misinformation and that's the other the other our sister podcast totally misinformation right? <laughs> <laughs> the product this product i'm about to talk to you about in inventions as you're listening to totally useless information with nick and roy this product this invention does not have a patent but that's intentional. In 1953, the Rocket Chemical Company was looking to make a rust prevention solvent and degreaser. It would be used in aerospace industry. And the reason why the company didn't apply for a patent, they would have to disclose what the ingredients are. And they were afraid of copycat products. What is the product? WD-40. You know, the more you said that, the more it went into my head. What an ingenious thing. Why bother going for a patent if you could keep it secret? Kind of like, I guess, KFC, Kentucky Fried Chicken. That's right. But here's the thing. The reason why they call it WD-40, because the previous 39 water displacement formulas did not work. WD-40, water displacement 40, took 39 failed formulas before they came up with the one. WD-40. Wow. Douglas Fuller designed and invented the computer mouse you know the thing we all use yeah the computer mouse but he never made a dime because he invented it so long before the computer came out that by the time the computer came out the patent had expired and poor doug fuller got nothing <laughs> yeah, Fuller got nothing. <laughs> yeah, he should have right-clicked on that one. Anti-lock brakes mm. now mandated as standard equipment in all cars. Modern anti-lock braking systems trace their roots to 1971 when the Delco Moraine Company gave a prototype car anti-skid technology originally developed to help airplanes stop. So because they were developing it for airplanes, because airplanes do need to stop it from a high speed, the anti-lock brake system yeah. was developed for cars. That makes sense. I have always had anti-lock brakes, even in the 70s. I just never stepped on them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> they can't lock up if you don't step down. Good plan. John Landis Mason, uh-oh, three names, invented the mason jar. Oh. That we all know, okay? And it makes sense because his name is Mason. Mm -hmm. But did you know he also invented something that almost every single person uses? The screw top salt shaker. 
Before that invention, people would take salt in their hands and just put a little pinch, kind of pinch it. They'd probably get all over the table and all over everything, and there was no really good control. But Landis Mason, John Landis Mason figured out, I can put a couple of holes in there and screw this thing on top, and they can shake the hell out of it and get your salt in equal portions. There you go. Thank you, Mr. Mason. You obviously had your cap screwed on straight. (laughs) You're listening. Now, because he invented the mason jar, did he have a big mouth? You're listening to Totally Useless Information with Nick and Roy. Welcome to the Totally Useless Information Fashion Show. Oh, yeah. So uh, all the ladies out there, thank you very much for emailing us and letting us know that, that you wanted us, Roy and I, to talk about fashion. So we are the ones to <laughs> that know all about fashion. So thank you very much for this opportunity. Roy, what do you got? We want you to know that we do listen to you. Oh, and by the way, now I think we're, what, 50-something countries around the world? Close like? to 50 countries around the world, including Belgium and Saudi Arabia <laughs> and Germany and United Kingdom. We are literally a global podcast so thank you just goes to show you that homo sapiens as a race of people as a as a as a biological group has no taste all over the world that's right yes (laughs) just like a natural thing i guess yes but anyway thank you and also guys go to nickandroy.com nickandroy.com you can see everything on there episodes there's like 50 something episodes now so uh, one episode for each country okay Michael Coors, his first job as a designer was to design his own mother's wedding dress. He was a mere five years old, and he designed the dress for her. And thus, he then became a designer. What was his name? Michael Coors. I wonder if she told him, dear, could you go get me a beer? (laughs) K-O-R-S. Oh, oh, sorry, it was Coors. C-O. Yeah. In Australia... Speedos are called budgie smugglers, a term which is derived from the name of a small parrot, the domestic budgie Where bird. Where is this? In Australia, Wait. down under, as it were. And we have lots of listeners in Australia, too. That's right. Apparently, the body-hugging swimwear we all know and love as the Speedo looks as if it was attempting to conceal a parrot when viewed from the front. Ah, well, I just call him my snake basket. <laughs> Budgie smugglers. <laughs> yes, when you want to protect your stuff down under. Ah, uh, yeah, I'm wearing my bungee smuggler. Oh, my God. All right, I don't even want to talk about that. Gucci Company manufactured a pair of jeans. Get ready, folks, for this. The Gucci Genius Jeans. They sell for a staggering $3,200. Yes, Gucci is a genius, and whoever bought these jeans and is wearing them is what I is wearing a T-shirt that says I'm an idiot. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> How much did you pay for that? I'm wearing the idiot T-shirt. <laughs> so we talked about speedos in Australia. Thongs are illegal in Melbourne, Florida, and should be. <laughs> okay. They shouldn't be wearing anything. Yes, that's right. But they're wearing thongs. The punishment is a $500 fine or 60 days in jail. This ordinance in Melbourne, Florida, prohibits any display of the buttocks of male or female beachgoers, meaning thongs and G-strings are out. By the way, you can really thank former New York Mayor Fiorello LaGuardia 
for popularizing the modern-day thong. He introduced it in 1939 to make New York City's new dancers cover up just a little bit. I think what happens, Nick, is they come up to those girls on the beach and they say, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to give you a $500 fine. They hand them the credit card and they swipe it in their rear end. (laughs) (laughs) Or nowadays, you can just tap. Yeah, and by the way, folks, uh, Nick and I will not be doing the podcast this summer. We'll be on the beach. <laughs> We're going to be code enforcement. Or in jail, one of the two. Uh, it gives new meaning to the word beach bum. <laughs> <laughs> okay, ready? Do you know what a grabotologist is? A grabotologist. No, I don't. I mean, it sounds like something you might grab, but no, I guess that's not it. Well, no? No. It's not someone that goes around grabbing women or or experiencing thongs. the feeling of thong skin. Nope. It's a person who collects neckties. Oh. They are called grabotologists. Oh. So if you get anything from the show today, walk around saying, do you know what a grabotologist is? And make believe you're smart. <laughs> yes, just make believe. Uh, men didn't wear underwear until the 17th century. Women didn't. I'm not wearing them now. <laughs> oh. <laughs> In fact, I'm not wearing pants. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So, so we should give you a $500 fine or 60 days in jail. Um, women. Hey, did, listen, Nick. Yes. I'm going to stop you for one second. Yes. I thought of another ingenious idea that I'm going to share with the people here. Okay. I call it the Zoom suit. What it is is literally just a cover in the front of you that looks like you're wearing a jacket, a shirt, and a tie. Right. But literally, you could be completely right. naked. It's more or less like one of those huggy blankets that you just <laughs> throw over you while you're on a Zoom call. It makes it look like you're dressed. Men didn't wear underwear until the 17th century. Women didn't bother wearing underwear until 1800. A former infantry soldier and medic gives a plausible explanation. He writes that when on the field, soldiers sweat a lot and can't take showers for days. Their uniforms are loose enough to allow for ease of movement so they don't wear underpants in order to prevent skin eruptions and fungal infections. Mm-hmm. Which, by the way, that's where the term commando comes from because apparently it's the soldiers who went without underwear for the very reason we just explained. Uh- Okay, that's a good one, folks. You heard it here. Elizabeth I. I don't have the dates here, but Elizabeth I, Queen Elizabeth I, was so fond of a hat, wearing a hat, Mm -hmm. that she forced women to wear hats on Sundays in public and on holidays. So if you didn't wear the hat, the person that gives the fines for the thongs would run up to you. No, really, honestly, it would be a big, big fine. So women wore hats on Sundays and holidays. If you were caught, you got a very heavy, steep fine. And, and the wrath of the queen, which you don't want, of course. Oh, no, no, no. no. So red heels. Now, who's the designer who came up with the red heels? Red Louboutin. Louboutin. Lou, not to be, not Louis Vuitton, right. Louba. Would it be baton? A baton. Okay. Well, in the 1670s, Louis XIV decreed that only members of the royal court were allowed to wear red heels. It was an easy way to distinguish someone of the upper classes from a commoner. So red heels was decreed by the king 
in the 1670s, Louis the 14th. Maybe that's where Louis Baton came from. Maybe that's a descendant of okay. Louis Baton. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to go I'm I'm going to tell you, Nick. I think you're onto something here. I mean, we're we're quite the conspiracy theorists, but I thought my gravitologist thing was pretty good, but I got to hand it to you. You got two really good ones. Thank you. That one's a really good one. Lou Baton probably knew that and took the name Louis Baton because, you know, he, he knew about the red heel thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. And he wore Could be, folks. Could be. Somebody shoes. look into this. Get get on. Give us, shoot us an email. That's, the way to reach us is go to nickandroy.com to click on contact us. We'll get the email. We will respond. We want to thank and welcome all those listeners in Windsor, Canada, Auburn, Maine, Westchester, Ohio, Wakefield, United Kingdom, and Troy, Michigan. And now it's time for Totally Useless Information with Nick and Roy as they present Dreams. Wake up. Wake up. Dreams. What was that? It's the Totally Useless Information podcast players. (laughs) We talk to you about dreams, not only about what you dream and what they might mean, and we talk about dreams in general. So I'll start off with, what if you dream that you're naked? Nudity indicates vulnerability. When you're without your clothes in your dreams, you're most vulnerable. Unless you're in Melbourne, Florida, of course. There's absolutely nothing that you can hide behind. The dream may parallel a waking situation where you feel helpless, where you have completely let your guard down. Perhaps you're in a relationship where you you have opened up yourself at the risk of being rejected. Yeah. I had a dream I was naked, and in the dream I was asking my wife, honey, where's the credit card? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. And then she found it. She found it, and I was charged ten bucks. <laughs> it was a service. It was a service charge. Ooh. You have your most vivid dreams during REM sleep. REM sleep, of course, is the sleep where you're most um, in a, like a catatonic state. During REM sleep, you may dream you are running. So the brain shuts down and paralyzes your muscles so that you don't run the hell out of bed. Now, if your brain could only paralyze Heidi Klum's muscles so I could catch her in my reoccurring dream, that would be awesome. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) And she's dreaming of you getting arrested. Actually, Nick, I'm yelling, Heidi, come back here. I have a ticket for you for that thong you're wearing. But go on, (laughs) go on. (laughs) Uh, To see a burning candle in your dream signifies that good luck and hope will be coming your way in small and steady amounts. You are in a very comfortable stage in your life and may be seeking spiritual enlightenment. Lit candles in your dream are also symbolic of intellect, enlightenment, awareness, or search for the truth. Yeah, because you're putting light on stuff. You know, this is a cool one. It's a quickie, too. Most people dream in color, but only 12% of people dream in black and white. Those are the same people that are real snobby and probably dream in subtitles as well. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, yes. I only watch foreign films. <laughs> yes. The, the following dream is closed captioned for the intelligent impaired. If, you, if you're dreaming that you see your car battery, it symbolizes your stamina. To dream that your car battery is dead 
suggests that you're overwhelmed and overworked, which is probably why you need a Viagra. You need to slow yeah, down. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> yes. So, so to recap, to see that you're, if you're dreaming of a car battery, it symbolizes your stamina. But to dream that your car battery is dead suggests that you're overwhelmed and overworked. You need to slow down and set some time for yourself or else run the risk of collapsing from exhaustion. Which reminds me of a dream I had. I dreamt the other night I was a muffler, and in the morning I woke up exhausted. <laughs> <laughs> Folks, laugh. He'll yes, stop. Yes, right. <laughs> okay. Let's talk about nocturnal penal tumulsants. Hmm? I'll say that again simply because it's hard for me to read. Nocturnal penal tumulants, sometimes called the old morning wood. In fact, men have three to five erections every night while they're sleeping. And it has nothing to do with sexual dreams. Or at least I hope my wife believes that. <laughs> yes. No, really, honestly, it has nothing to do with, with sex or dreaming sexual things. You just normally, as a biological function, some I believe that uh, some of it has to do with not urinating while you're sleeping and so on and so forth. But you have three to five erections, and it's called nocturnal penal tumulsants. So um, so mm -hmm. you might be pitching a tent in the morning. Is that what you're saying? It has nothing to do with sex. Sure, sure. It's fun. It's like camping. It's got the Viagra. It's like a cabin tent. And <laughs> since you're dreaming of candles, you can light a candle in the tent. There you go. <laughs> if you're dreaming that you're wearing dentures, it indicates that you're not being completely truthful in some waking matter. Okay? To see or dream that others are wearing dentures suggests that someone in your life it's not who they say they are. They are being deceitful. People who sleep face down are more likely to dream about sex. Also, they're more likely to dream about being locked up, naked, smothered, or swimming. Actually, it just sounds like a sex dream to me. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> That's a sex dream to me, being smothered, locked up, handcuffed, <laughs> thrown in a pool. Yes. What's wrong with, with that? With the whole cast of the swimsuit model edition. <laughs> and they're all wearing thongs. They're all getting thrown in jail for six months. You're listening to Totally Useless Information with Nick and Roy. And now for something completely useless. An orchestra tunes itself to the musical note A which is a very particular frequency, usually 440 hertz, also known as the A440. Now, if you've ever been to a live performance of either an orchestra or a Broadway show of that type, you remember hearing this. That's A. That is, exactly. The note is usually played by the oboist or first violinist, and the rest of the orchestra tunes their instruments to match it, the musical note A. The oboe, incidentally, leads the tuning because of all the instruments it is least affected by humidity or other weather conditions. Conveniently, every string instrument has an A string as opposed to a G string, 
So it makes sense for string mm-hmm. orchestras to tune to the open A string on the first violinist. So there you go. The note A. Wow. There you go. And there I know have. a lot about um, music, and I didn't know that. There you go. It's not completely useless. But if you have any questions you'd like to send our way, and we want to thank everyone who's emailed us, you go to nickandroy.com. What's in the mailbag? What's in the mail? So I was going through the mail, and I got this one from Martin from the UK. He writes, Martin from UK, England. Okay, okay, Martin, we, we understand the UK is England. It's like you're from the United States of America in the US. Yeah, United States of America, USA. Right. Okay. Well, anyway, Martin, thanks for the letter. He says, thanks so much for your show. It's funny and quite informative. So he's very, very English. Okay. He even writes like an Englishman. It's quite uh, informative. What is your history he said and i was like what the hell is he even talking about but he goes on and on and in the thing and he wants to know a little bit more about our backgrounds like what we did mm-hmm. in our lives and so mm-hmm. i told him to go on to nickandroy.com and uh because he emailed us separately he didn't go on i guess the the um website but on nickandroy.com you'll see pictures of us and some brief synopsis stuff on it mm-hmm. but um Nick has been involved in radio pretty much his entire life and what he went to college for it. I know that uh, he was in uh, when we were friends in high school, he he wanted to be in radio. That's what Nick wanted. That's right. I got out of high school, went into the restaurant business. My family was in the restaurant business. Then I had a couple of restaurants and some retail stores. So I've been in business pretty much my whole life. I've been involved in music and singing and all kinds of other things. But go to nickandroy.com. And you can find all the stuff out about us. Including how to email us. What's in the mail? As we mentioned, we are all over the globe. We want to welcome listeners who listen to Totally Useless Information with Nick and Roy. Traverse City, Michigan. A lot of Michigan uh, listeners. We have listeners in Chile, the Russian Federation, and Nigeria. I can't believe that. Nigeria, that is so cool. That's really cool. You know, I mean, there's got to be English-speaking, either expats or English-speaking people in those countries that are looking for really cool content like our show. Not not to be too, uh, you know, presumptuous, but, you know. We're not conceited. We're convinced. Einstein was a moron. Newton was a jerk. Totally useless information with Nick and Roy. I'm Nick. And I'm Roy. Multilingual people unconsciously, this is done through a study, a scientific study. Multilingual people unconsciously assign separate personalities to their different languages that they speak. Now, you know that I get mad when people go, when they when they say the word Latina. That's right. And when they speak in Spanish and they speak with this completely different accent than what they are. Okay, but that is a, an unconscious fact that happens in a scientific study scientists believe we attach social and cultural mental aspects that we think should be attached to that language so every time i speak latin i just naturally want to make love (laughs) see now think about that though that's crazy right 
So, like, I do it all the time when I say, Liechtenstein! Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well done, well done. If you could fold a piece of paper 42 times, its thickness would exceed the distance from here to the moon. So think about it. If you fold a piece of paper once, it'll be two pages thick. But when, I, when you fold the, the piece of paper twice on itself, it's not three but four pages thick. If you fold it a third time, it's eight pages thick. Paper folding is exponential. So that if you were to fold it a fourth time, it's 16 pages thick. Okay? A fifth time will give you 32 pages thick and so on. 41 foldings will get slightly more than halfway to the moon. So that means 42 foldings is all it takes. The thickness of paper grows exponentially. I don't believe it. I think it's like that, uh, you know, the, the licking of the uh, Tootsie Pop. Yes. I don't know. <laughs> All right. I think they're just making that. So they're basically in implying that it's doubling or tripling or That's quadrupling. Right. That's right. According to scientists, people prone to self-harm can cope with stress better by swearing shut the you front door but anyway they found out that these people that curse and swear tend to live longer than people that don't curse and swear so basically i'm set to live to like a hundred my wife is probably going to live to 125 <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> she has such affectionate names for me you know yes. Like, yes. you dirty yeah. <laughs> yes <laughs> nick she likes to call me a uh bastard which i think is a french bread yes it is <laughs> and you smear it with and you smear it with mustard Mustard, German mustard, from Liechtenstein! That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so every time a woodpecker's beak hits a tree, its head is subject to 1,000 times the force of gravity. Think about that. Every time that the woodpecker, his beak hits the tree, its head is subject to 1,000 times the force of gravity. They can't be very smart animals. I mean, whacking their heads every day like that, you know, and they do it fast too. It's like, brrr. yeah. You ever have one go on your yeah. on your like your rain gutter? No, but I, I I've told the story before on the show. But I remember we were in northern Italy a few years ago, and it was a quiet, a beautiful, quiet morning. You can like literally hear the, the leaves fall from the tree. That's how quiet it is. And from the distance, I'm hearing tap, 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 tap. And I said to my wife, I said, "Wow, isn't this kind of cool? Someone is writing a novel out here in the middle of like nowhere, beautiful nature. They're writing this novel. They're at peace with themselves." And she's like, "No, you idiot! It's a woodpecker." That's what I was hearing. Tap, 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 tap. Oh, you thought it was typing. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 You see, you see, most of the time, folks, a story gets more interesting when it's told the second time, but not in this instance. So. <laughs> <laughs> Far from it. Yes. Yes. I think my head just took a pounding a thousand times the force of gravity after hearing that. Yeah. Well, GPS is ruining our imaginations. What? And I believe this wholeheartedly, 100%. Due to the increase of dependence on GPS, 
people are paying little attention to landmarks, signs, anything like that. Basically, we're just mindlessly driving and just paying attention to staying alive and not crashing into the people in front of us. So so we're waiting for the command to tell us when to turn. Now, this is absolutely no lie. My son lives like two hours away from me. I still, to this day, cannot tell you what the exit number is. I think it's like 252, but I'm not really sure. Sure, I'm not 100% sure because the GPS, I always just hit that friggin' GPS thing, you know, because I think maybe if there's traffic, it's going to tell me, which it probably doesn't know, but I think it does, and I'm hoping it does, but I can't, I can't it's true. So we're losing our imagination because in our minds, in order to keep a map in our head, we see landmarks and buildings and signs and so on, and then we form this map in our head by that, and we're not seeing that anymore. Plus, now women can find places without men, because before that, women, they couldn't read maps. They weren't allowed to. In fact, I don't even know. Do they vote? <laughs> yes, they vote on where to go, <laughs> and they'll tell you where send, to go. Send all of your nasty emails marked Nick. <laughs> yes, to Nick, to Nick and Roy.com. Scientists from the Defense Advanced Research Laboratory, or DARPA, who've been working with honeybees since 1999, say that bees can actually challenge dogs when it comes to the sense of smell. Those same buzzing insects that seek out molecular hints of the pollen they use to make honey can just as easily detect other minute particles in the air, including traces of materials used to make bombs. So how do you train them to respond to TNT the way that they respond to pollen? The same way that you train any other animal to do almost anything by associating a particular stimulus with a reward. Yeah, and the only thing that stinks about that is the other day I went, because I had a little bit of a cold, as, as most people, I guess, that listen to us can hear. Um, I made some tea and I wanted to put some honey in it. When I opened the jar up, it blew up. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I was... guess they got the TNT and they made honey on it. I don't know. Listen to this one. What idiots. Listen, I'm getting kind of mad with the science topic because I'm starting to find out that scientists are really... I love when they go, we need to listen to the science. I don't think so. No, no, no. Listen to this study. Okay? Yeah. They spent millions of dollars on this one. Can money buy you happiness? And the answer that they came up with after this massive, expensive study was, yes. No shite. <laughs> okay. A study of millionaires and poor people showed that millionaires were much happier than poor people. So what did they do? Like, did they go knock on a tent? under a bridge somewhere and say to the guy, excuse me, and then zips it open, and how are you feeling? Get away, you <laughs> yes. son of a sea cook. Okay, and then they go ring the doorbell of the mansion, you know, or basically from the gate. Can we come in? You know, how you doing? Well, are you kidding me? I'm happy. I'm floating in the pool. Yes. <laughs> you know I mean? That's so stupid. It's so wow. dumb. But they did a study, and yes, folks, money makes you happier. Yes, especially money spent yes. on those kinds of research. Yeah. So basically, folks, having said that, you need to share our show with all your friends so that me and Nick can make lots of money. <laughs> whoa, whoa. Because right now we're in the tent. 
Living hey. in a van Wait under a, a bridge. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I didn't realize there was pay involved in this. I thought we did this for fun. The average volume of farts a person generates per day. Ra- you had to go there. Ranges from. F- <laughs> well, that's why I saved this for the end of the show. It ranges <laughs> from 476 milliliters to 1,491 milliliters. Okay. Again, the average volume mm-hmm. of farts a person generates per day ranges from 476 milliliters to 1,491 milliliters or 4.2 cans of Coke. What? Okay, first off, let me explain something to you. Mm-hmm. Mine is not even measured in cans of Coke. It's measured in those big liter bottles, okay? <laughs> it's probably around 14 liter bottles. Okay, my wife the other day made this broccoli and cauliflower yeah. kind of medley thing. Yeah. Okay, I swear yeah. to you, people were outside of my house on Samsonite chairs like they were watching the damn launch from Cape Canaveral. They were waiting for me to fly off the ground. <laughs> yes. I, I love how you said it was a, me- a medley of vegetables. It was a medley that we were playing at the end of dinner. <laughs> it was. It was like a tuning sound. You know, it was in the key of A, like the oboe. Like, boop, 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 boop. Something like this? Yep. <laughs> there it is. And then it, at the end it goes, <laughs> like that. Yeah. That's right. Speaking of the end, this is all the time that we have. For this week's episode of Totally Useless Information with Nick and Roy, we will scour the internet far and wide for more useless information for you guys next week. So in the meantime, tell a friend about the trend. Really, folks, it helps us out. Share it on Facebook. Tweet it. Do whatever the hell. Talk to your friends. Tell them about the show because it makes us so proud, honestly, when we see where we are all over the world. It really is. It's really great. It makes us happy. So definitely subscribe and go to our website at nickandroy.com. I'm Nick. And I'm Roy. Thanks for listening. On November 11th, Nick and Roy of the Totally Useless Information Podcast will set aside their comedy to air a very special podcast dedicated to the memory of fallen soldiers of both the United States and Canada. The November 11th special podcast will feature Nick and Roy getting totally serious as they discuss fascinating facts about the armed forces in Canada and the United States. Discover the real stories behind the national anthems of both countries and the differences between the terms half-mast and half staff. The podcast will enlighten you as Nick and Roy pay tribute to the young men and women who served their country and continue to serve to this day. It is also a tribute to those who made the ultimate sacrifice on the battlefield. It's the November 11th special podcast with Nick and Roy, November 11th, available on all your favorite podcast platforms and on the Nick and Roy channel on YouTube.